This is TSFPN.com, the Sci-Fi Podcast Network, out of this world entertainment. It's July 29th, 2005, and you're listening to The Secrets. Welcome to this podcast of The Secrets, the podcast for anyone who is serious about writing. The Secrets home can be found at www.stormwolf.com. For the next 15 minutes, we'll talk about writing and how to get you even closer to seeing your name on the spine of a book. Welcome to The Secrets. This is episode 10, and this will be the last episode in the first series of The Secrets. I'm Michael A. Stackpole, your host. I'm a novelist, and I'm here to help you learn how to write. The first segment of this show is always dealing with the rules of writing, and these are rules that will help you get your work to be a lot better. They're diagnostics, they're things that you can use to figure out what's going on and little things to watch out for to make sure that your work is going to be something that everybody's going to find a way to get into. Rule number 10 is a very simple rule. Allow characters to have a sympathetic angle. When Earl Stanley Gardner was talking with the writers who were going to be writing the Perry Mason television show, this was a point he made very, very specific. He wanted every character that Perry Mason was going to be defending during the course of the shows to have a sympathetic angle. He wanted a reason why Perry should help find these guys innocent and save them from their particular problem. When you think about it, this certainly makes sense. A main character is going to be the reader's companion throughout the journey that is your book. And it's not just going to be the highs and lows that you take them through. Just think about the sheer hour commitment that somebody puts into a book. I mean, books are really great entertainment value. You pay five or six dollars, you get, you know, 10 hours, 12 hours out of it. So you want to make sure that there's one character who will be sympathetic, who will be a character that the readers want to hang out with. Otherwise, there's no purpose in, in reading the book. In fantasy and science fiction, I think this is especially important because in those types of books, you're dealing with alien worlds, alien cultures, totally bizarre stuff. One of the strong points, of course, is that the readers get to discover things as they're going along. And this, without a doubt, is one of the biggest draws for science fiction and fantasy, for speculative fiction. But by the same token, it makes it difficult to judge what is normal. This is why I have a rule that in every single one of my books, there is going to be a touchstone character. There is going to be a character who is normal. Uh, I just sort of refer to him as the Stackpole character because this is a guy who allows the readers to recalibrate their moral compass. And this, I think, is absolutely important. There are a lot of writers who get bored with, with writing the average character, the, the sort of everyman character, and they want to concentrate on the characters who are beyond two standard deviations of the mean. They want to concentrate on the villains and how weird they are, or the hero who is so conflicted and so troubled that you wonder how he got out of a psych ward. Having a touchstone character means you've got a way to calibrate normal, which makes those bizarre characters that much more bizarre. And this becomes very important. If you will, if you don't have quiet, you can't hear how loud things really are. If you don't have light, you can't see how dark things are. So it's important to have a touchstone character. That does not have to be your main character. However, that character is likely to be sympathetic because the readers can understand him. The main character and the reason you want a sense that the main character has a sympathetic angle, has something to be admired, has something for the characters to look up to, excuse me, something for the readers to look up to, is because you're going to want them 
to be cheering for this hero. You're going to want them to be looking toward his future and wanting him to succeed. And if he succeeds, they're happy. If he fails, they feel sad. So you give them some reason to invest their emotions in him, no matter what the outcome is going to be. I think this is also really, really important because if you don't have this sort of thing, your book might have nothing left over. There's a very popular horror writer, Poppy Zebright, and years and years ago, her agent touted her to me as the you know latest and greatest whatever. I got a hold of one of her books, and I started reading, and I put it down after about page 60 because by page 60, I had seen all of the viewpoint characters, and the only one I felt vaguely sympathetic toward was a serial rapist. And I really don't want to find myself feeling sympathetic toward a serial rapist, so I just kind of put the book down. Her writing style, what she was saying, was not sufficient to keep me attracted to that book or to keep me reading that book. But if there had been a sympathetic character, there had been a character that I cared about, I would have gone through, and that would have made all the other very weird characters uh, somewhat acceptable. I think the other thing that uh, writers have to worry about, and this is, it's a fine point, your character doesn't have to necessarily be likable. He has to be understandable in this sense, again, to get people to invest in him, but he doesn't have to be likable. He can be driven, and many characters are. You take a character like Han Solo in that very first movie, he is driven because of his sense of greed. You can sense good in him, and you're willing to invest your emotions in him because he's got some wit, he's obviously willing to be heroic, but he's not going to go nutso over it, and your willingness to invest in him is rewarded later on. So I think this is really important. Find something sympathetic about your characters, bring that forward, and readers will stick with you. So there it is, rule of writing number 10. Allow your characters to have a sympathetic angle. If you want to learn more about the rules of writing and about the secrets, my writing newsletter that all of this material comes from, uh, please go to www.stormwolf.com. You can download some issues and see whether or not you want to subscribe. And thank you very much to all those listeners who have subscribed. That makes continuing the newsletter and doing this very much possible. Welcome back to segment two of The Secrets. Uh, this is where I generally deal with inquiries from listeners, and I want to cover some other material. First, I want to thank everybody who subscribed through iTunes and who votes over at uh, Podcast Alley and who have ranked me in their favorites over at Podcast Pickle. I really appreciate that sort of support. The question I want to deal with today actually came from the Podcast Alley uh, feedback. And a listener over there asked why I keep saying that your book should be between 90 and 100,000 words and what that actually means. What that means is that publishers now are looking at books that fall in that range. Back before 1983, uh, especially in the science fiction area, a lot of books were in the 60,000 word range. That was fairly standard for a novel. Through the 80s, especially in science fiction, books grew because there was more characterization. And 100,000 words has become roughly the standard, again, between 90 and 100,000. That has to do with the price of paper, how wide the spine is, uh, what people perceive as value for dollar. There are lots of bigger books. Uh, the new Robert Jordan book, which will be out in October, is going to come in at 704 pages in hardback, which means I have to guess that it's probably 325,000 words long. I mean, that's a huge book. It may well be longer. 
people are willing to buy the Robert Jordan books at that length because they're already experienced with him. They know him. They trust him. They expect that something's going to show up in those books. So that's why some writers are allowed to write larger books. My Dragon Crown War books were contracted at 200,000 words each and were roughly there. Uh, the new series that I'm doing is contracted at 150,000. I just signed a contract to do some Conan novels, and those have been contracted at 80,000. So each publisher has a length that they want for those books, and that's um, just what they ask for. And when you get the contract, that's what they want. But as a beginning writer, look, you're looking at 90 to 100,000 words because that's where people are willing to invest time in an unknown author with a book that length. And that's where publishers are willing to invest money in a, uh, an unpublished author in a book that length. If it's too long, they won't take it, and I certainly have experienced that. If it's too short, they just won't think it's enough, and they'll want you to add more. I want to cover a couple things. This is the last show in the first series of The Secrets. I'm going to take a couple of weeks off from the series Secrets podcasts and decide how I want to retool, whether or not I want to lengthen the show, and any ideas and any feedback you want, you can send to thesecrets at stormwolf.com. And I'll be able to look at that and perhaps evaluate some of the things that you've got uh, as needs, as interests. And I'll incorporate those into the shows. I do have a couple of shows lined up, which are special series shows, if you will. It's, um, you know, if this was a weekly series, think of the made-for-TV movie. And so I'll be doing those. So you won't be without your weekly fix of how to write material. It's just going to be something approaching it from a slightly different angle. And again, this will give me a chance to figure out something new and be able to keep the secrets fresh because if it's not fresh for me, it's not going to do any good. If it's not fresh for you, uh, it's not going to do you any good. But I hope that you will keep listening and I hope this will continue to be useful for you going forward so that you will sit down and write. I think a lot of people want to know what is the big secret to getting published. And I talked a little bit about that in the last episode. Really, it's just sitting down and writing. That you've got to do. If you've ever listened to writers talk, every single one of them, at some point, read a book, and they put it down, and they said, I can do better than this. And I'm sure everybody who's listening to me right now has seen a book and put it down and said, I can do better than this. I, I hope it's not one of my books. Uh, and if it is, don't tell me, please. But uh, everybody has got a book like that. And so if you've had that experience, you owe it to yourself to sit down and actually try and write a different book. And you can do it. I'm sure you can do it. Everybody's got at least one book in them. And I hope the secrets will be the push you need to start doing those books and giving yourself that chance. I'd also like to thank everybody who sent me postcards. That was great. In episode six, I asked you to send postcards to box 60333, Phoenix, Arizona, 85082, just to let me know where you heard this and, and when you heard it. And I really appreciate that. So thanks for sticking with me. Again, we'll be doing uh, more, a second series of these shows. But uh, for right now, this is the last one of this series. Your feedback is more than welcome. Thank you. Welcome back to segment three. This normally is a segment where I try and deal with an obscure word and saving it from obscurity. But back in episode eight, I talked about copyrights and I used the word copywritten. And Steve Ely of Escape Pod and Paul over with RevUp Review in the message boards on the sci-fi podcast network.com on their website 
took me to task because copywritten does not exist as a word. The correct word is copyrighted. But this brings me to an interesting point. Did you know that the King James Bible and Shakespeare were written basically in the same era of history? And the King James Bible has a vocabulary of 7,000 words. Shakespeare has a vocabulary of 36,000 words. And Shakespeare's credited with making up an awful lot of words. One of the things that I greatly enjoy about my job is the ability to make up words. And it's the resiliency of language and the evolution of language that absolutely fascinates me. Um, in fantasy novels, I actually get to use some words that are totally made up. One of my most favorite ones is the word slatherlard. Instead of saying margarine or butter, I mean, I just sort of think that that's a very descriptive kind of term for whatever it is you spread, whatever that's greasy that you spread on bread. It's also kind of a revolting term, but hey, what do you want? Uh, in any event, I really enjoy that term and I enjoy making up words like that. I really love making up slang when I'm working in other uh, genres. Again, the Star Wars books, I love making up slang there. This is something you can do. And let's face it, what are you listening to right now? You're listening to a podcast. A year ago, that word did not exist. But it's a wonderful hybrid word that really pulls together new ideas, old ideas, and has created a brand new phenomena. And this is the cool thing about language. It can be incredibly resilient. You, as writers, have to build your vocabulary. You have to read more. You know, a lot of writers will start out and they will use a thesaurus to find synonyms. And that's fine, but you have to check those obviously in a dictionary to make sure you're getting the right nuance. But when you've learned enough words, when you've got enough words internally in your brain, in your word bag, if you will, in your mental word bag, you aren't going to have to rely on the thesaurus and things will be a lot more natural. They will flow a lot better. Plus, think about how your characters would make these brand new words. Allow your characters to own the vocabulary of the world that they live in. Allow them to help shape your word. Allow them to help make your word choices. This will make your work a heck of a lot more vibrant. It'll make it feel a lot more real. It'll give it a lot of power that it would not have otherwise. Thanks for listening. This podcast is copyright 2005, Michael A. Stackpole. Good luck with your writing. We'll see you back with a new set of shows in a couple of weeks. Plenty of people would love to write, but figuring out where to start isn't easy. The Secrets is a great place to begin. In this bi-weekly newsletter, Michael A. Stackpole and other writers share their experience. If you want to take your writing to the next level, whether you're just starting out or a seasoned veteran, The Secrets is a serious tool for your development. Visit www.stormwolf.com to learn more about The Secrets and download some sample issues. Your future awaits. Subscribe to The Secrets today.